1: Hello and willkommen to some Gamescom, and 2000. This is the IGN UK podcast with me, Simon Cardi, live from the roof of a hotel in Cologne. How are we doing, boys? I'm all
2: right, thank you,
3: Simon.
1: Do you not need to introduce people? Host? Host? I don't know actually who's going to be speaking. Dale, are you going to be speaking? I'll speak a little. Why not? Okay. I There's sound
3: really hurt. I'm not that bad. I'm
1: Not that bad. Okay, if you haven't told already, we've had a couple of drinks. Um, But not too bad that we can't talk about many, many video games that we've seen so far at Gamescom. Who wants to start first? Should we talk a bit about opening night live, maybe? We can talk about opening night Uh, live. Jeff Keighley's Big Night Out Mark 14 at this point, I think. Yeah, however many he's done Um, this year. That Kojima podcast looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, number one. (laughs) Number one with a bullet. (laughs) It's Kojima's brain
0: structures. (laughs) The good stuff.
1: Um where winds meet, that's one that's caught people's attention. Um Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, no. you, you remember that yeah, we were
0: talking about it on the way here. You remember when we were saying we were boys letting loose or something? Oh yeah, we are feeling loose. God we're um, loose. God.
1: um yeah, when's Where <laughs> When's winds meet? Where winds meet? Where did it meet? Um It looks very pretty, doesn't it?
0: It does. It's um it's part of this wave of like Chinese Unreal Engine 5 games that keep appearing out of nowhere and everyone goes absolutely batshit for, and I'm quite interested in. Like, I am kind of waiting for one of these to actually come out uh, because we've seen a lot of trailers so far. It'll be interesting to see what they actually look like. But this is promising. Like, this looks... This is in that area of like Chinese medieval history that obviously... As, as fans of the podcast will know, I'm I'm deeply interested. In You're
2: this. getting a bit getting a bit of a Dynasty Warriors. i
0: There's no because it looks significantly better oh, no, than Dynasty Warriors. Are you
2: getting a rock on, Joe? I'm getting a big
0: rock <laughs> for medieval <laughs> China. Um, it's uh, it just it, there's a lot to it, and it's just pretty, and it's nice to see like really pretty things that might actually come out on console at some point. that will be great.
2: There's there's kind of like a lot of chat around the idea of like, is this uh, another ghosts? I don't think it is another ghost. I no. think it might be like... It sort of feels a bit like it could be accessible Sekiro. Yeah, well, they've said some...
0: We had an interview with them. I believe it's on site by the time you're the time you listening to this. And they said all sorts of stuff. Like, you can just play as a trader. Or is like, it an
2: MMO? Play as a trader? Does mean it's an MMO? That's well, a World of Warcraft vocation. Like it, yeah, it feels like it's kind of going for,
0: like, some sort of immersive stuff. Like, okay. where you can maybe inhabit that world in a more mm-hmm. meaningfully w- meaningful way. But... We haven't actually seen any of that from that trailer, so who knows what's going on there? Uh, Cardi's having a lovely time choking on some
1: chocolate
3: right now, and he's taken the
1: mic to talk to you while
3: he's got his mouth
0: full. That's awful!
3: I've I've got
1: got a lovely square of Ritter's. You know
3: I hate people eating on the podcast. I'm so sorry.
1: I'll suck on it and said a lovely little white. You can't suck on it and talk.
0: Are we have to. Are we having to wait to
3: listen to you chew on a podcast? The
1: Callisto Protocol, Dale. How was that?
3: I didn't see it was Matt. Matt. <laughs> Christ alive.
2: This is a national embarrassment <laughs> on a podcast listened to internationally. I don't
0: know why.
2: Uh, <laughs> no one can hear you. You're not on mic, Cardi. <laughs> oh, dear. Shall we talk about the Callisto Let's Protocol? Let's talk about the Callisto okay. Protocol. Okay. So, this... So I didn't really need massively winning over on this because obviously Glenn Schofield who's the guy that created Dead Space is making this one. But um I think like it's probably been easy to think is it just a bit Dead Space 4. Yeah. Uh so um so this one so we, we got like a 15 minute kind of behind closed doors kind of demo of this which is basically the what you saw at ONL but kind of expanded. Mm-hmm. What are you doing Cardi? Fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> The host. <laughs> the host. Card, Cardi has dropped his chocolate. It's Sorry,
1: I dropped my chocolate. Um, we've got two mics we're sharing between four of us here, so that's what's happening here. Uh, tell me about the tentacles, Matt. The, tentacles. the tentacles.
2: It's because you've read my preview, right? I so you did. know all of the prompts. Yeah. So there are tentacles, which you did see in Opening Night Live. So there's this mutation system, which is what I think is one of the things that kind of separates it from Dead Space and the idea of the. There are, It didn't say, when I was talking to Glenn Schofield about this, it's not that every single enemy in the game can mutate, but when you see tentacles on an enemy, it's kind of a sign that it's going to mutate into a different form. You have to shoot the tentacles before it mutates, and if it does mutate, it gets like a slightly different kind of AI pattern, which means it's a bit more aggressive. Is it, is it random? Like, can any enemy so, maybe mutate? I'd, or... I don't know, basically, is the actual answer. But I got the impression from it that there are a selection of enemies within the overall kind of biophage ecosystem that can do this. Right. Um, But, like, the grunts, which are the ones that were shown off, your basic kind of zombie-style shamblers definitely can. And kind of like the example that, like, Glenn Schofield was telling me about is the idea of, like, they don't... The ones that you come across might not have any arms and they might not have a head, but suddenly... If you don't shoot them when those tentacles come out, now he's got a head, now he's got arms. He can grab you. He right. can, he's got a slightly, you know, more challenging AI kind of subsystem to mm. work with. So that is, Dead Space had like this element where there was these guys that could explode, and you'd have to get rid of them, otherwise they get close mm. to you and sort of like. Do. So it's got a bit of that crowd control idea, but it's like it's not an instant bomb. It's a case of if I don't get rid of that guy in the crowd that I can see the tentacles in, I'm gonna have a harder time because he's gonna turn into some mm. massively horrible, grabby, evolved version of what that creature is. Kind of with the grunts that they were showing in this trailer, and so like this hands-off demo session, it didn't seem too bad, but like the fear is, what happens if the really fucking awful ones have got even more worse kind of mutations? Right. It's that okay. idea of kind of like, are they gonna become like almost like mini bosses within themselves? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I I like the look of it, and that was one of those things that was a case of, oh, okay, there's kind of, like, it's it's definitely a Dead Space game in the kind of premise of the... Dead Space itself is, like, a sci-fi reinterpretation of Resi Evil, right? Yeah. And then this feels like, okay, so Dead Space is its progenitor form, but this is, rather than him just doing the same stuff under a different name, it's definitely a new game on top of that, I think.
0: You were talking as well about, like, weapons and like how upgrading works across weapons and things like that is it like yeah how does that start? because you were kind of talk about one weapon being able to turn into loads over the yeah course of the so game. so
2: this is another one of those things where kind of like um there's only so much information that we've got right but i did have like this interview with glenn schofield and he was telling me about how they wanted the, the weapons to have like really meaningful upgrades so basically there is Dead Space has the bench where you take it and you upgrade a weapon through yep. kind of a few different like sort of like nodes. This is much more, reminded me a lot of kind of The Last of Us's weapon bench where you put a weapon onto a physical plane which in this case is a 3D printer you choose upgrades and this printer physically puts those upgrades on the weapon Hmm. like he was talking about the idea of like in Call of Duty when they made Call of Duty back when he was at Sledgehammer that a weapon is like a character that you take through the game with you and so this had got Essentially, whereas Dead Space has like a linear upgrades path that's got a few kind of variations, this is much more like a skill tree with proper big branches off it. And I get the impression it's a case of like, okay, this handgun, what do you want to turn it into? I don't know if it's quite as modular as in, do you want to turn it into a submachine gun or a sniper rifle? But I do get the impression you can kind of specialize that weapon into something that you can say like hey i want this to be my anti-mutation kind of device mm. so you spec it out that it does more damage in a precision sort of area which is great for taking out those tentacles which prevents you know characters from mutating because you're scared of tentacles yeah yeah obviously who isn't yeah. lovecraft ruined us all <laughs> you can tell who hasn't uh, been on the drinks currently that was a lovely
1: <laughs> summation of Callisto <laughs> protocol there from that i do you know what, i'm not really a dead space fan but Sound about this one. I don't know. I like Sando's tentacles. You also mm. like guys being chewed up by big metal teeth. I do. What, what's the best thing you've seen so far, Joe? After mm. you take a swig of beer I was taking, beer some yeah, taking some, yeah. some I did, did imbibing. Oh, yeah. uh,
0: honestly, I, I've seen a few good things. i really enjoyed High On Life. Mm. I don't think we need to talk too much about High On Life, but I do want to point people out to... We got 25 minutes of me playing High On Life, so it's not like PR... -hmm. Supplied stuff like this is a person just playing, nailing every shot, absolutely not (laughs) nailing every (laughs) shot. That's how you can tell. And um, I think a lot of people came out of that opening night live presentation being a bit like (sighs) that boss fight wasn't the greatest thing to show what we wanted. And honestly, I think the gameplay shows you that it is what you think it is Mm. like, it is a shooter. It has some good ideas. Like, genuinely, there's some fun stuff in there with, like, you can um, use alternate fires to, like, juggle enemies, Devil May Cry style. It's a bit more bullet-helly than you might have thought. Like, people's projectiles fire really slowly, but there's loads of them. So you're kind of, as much of the combat is about dodging as it is about just getting precision headshots every time. And, like, there's a bit of platforming to it. You get a grapple hook that clearly they want you Mm. kind of vertically moving as well as laterally. But what I loved about it was it's just relentless with jokes and like if it's if you're not a Rick and Morty person if you're not like a Justin Roiland person then it's not going to do anything for you if those things don't work for you already but it is so committed to a punchline constantly and it was really refreshing like you you start in this little house like I don't know the exact story behind it but it seems like your house has been transported to an alien city and it's you and your sister who's just like this quite high girl who was really confused by everything and quite annoyed. As in she's on drugs? Yeah, she says she's tripping at one point. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, and your alien bounty hunter um, handler called Gene, who's this <laughs> disgusting, like, three-eyed freak who says he's going to shit on your sofa because he can't be bothered to get up. Um, and uh, <laughs> And they're watching TV, and the TV has... 20 animated shorts, some of them done by Justin Roiland. They've licensed four full-length movies that will play on the TV during the course of the game. Do you have game. any idea what those movies are? The fir- The only one they told me was Tammy and the T-Rex, which is Denise Richards and Paul Walker from 1994. That sounds fantastic. It, they, like, they're Z-grade stuff, but they've kind of gone Mystery Science Theatre with it, where they have a character who comes in in the commercials and like talks about the movie and stuff. hmm and it's that to me is emblematic of this thing. Like it is squeezing in jokes everywhere it can do them. So like, dialogue trees, and it's playing with the fact that it's a game as well. So like, dialogue trees are about the punchlines. Like okay. you should. My advice to you when you play High on Life is don't choose the thing that is obviously the right answer because it's going to let you get to that point. But all the rest of the stuff is just fodder for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another bit where like <laughs> this little alien kid comes out and starts making fun of you and calling you fresh meat. And if, and it's really annoying, so naturally, you try and pull the trigger at him, and your gun says, I am not shooting a kid. I refuse to shoot a child. And, he, and then the kid starts going, Ah, you can't even shoot me because your gun won't let me. And so you try and shoot him again, and the gun's like, What are you doing? Stop trying to shoot a kid. And then the third time, he starts doing it again, and he's like, Shoot me! I don't even care! And you... Shoot, and it fucking shoots his head off, wow. and um, and the kid just goes, "Ah, I'm dead," uh, and then your gun just starts going on about how you've just cost them the E for everyone rating they were aiming for, what?
1: and so it's playing with all these like game knowledgeable jokes that it wants you to have. I'm sure we're we'll going to it a little bit, but you've you've got a theme here. There's a lot of games you've played that has kids dying.
0: No. Do you know what you're talking about? Yeah. I've definitely not been asking for kids to die again.
1: I've not been asking, um, you
0: know. I know I've just real- realised I said I wasn't going to talk very much about Hound Life, but actually, it's,
1: I, yeah. I genuinely think, I just think a lot of people were turned off by that first thing, mm-hmm. and I
0: think actually there's a lot more there than like, that suggested.
1: For someone like me, who isn't like a big Rick and Morty fan, isn't the world's biggest Justin Rowling fan, is it fun of me still like a fun game to play as a shooter? It's harder to tell because the section I had was so focused on oh, okay.
0: exploring to get to the place. The shooting bits were good. I w- I'm not going to go as far as to say like they were revolutionary or anything. No. But it seems to be edging towards the idea that it wants you to play like stylishly as opposed to efficiently. And that's what I'm into. Because it's not scoring you. It's not trying to do anything like clever or high scorey. But it seems to be giving you ways to have fun with it. And, like, the grappling hook, juggling people, all that stuff. And so if it gives you enough guns and enough ways to switch between them and do meaningful combos, then that will be interesting. But really, it does look a bit more like a joke machine first.
1: And that's kind of what I wanted out of this game. I'm kind of happy with that. Nice. Yeah, it's cool. There we go. I want to talk about one of the things, one of the favourite things I've seen so far. And that would be Atlas Fallen, which was revealed at ONL. Well, you say revealed. yeah. They showed a cinematic trailer that didn't actually tell you what well, the game you know, was. you there was the first reveal of the game, you know. The first, no. you know, the name of it. And from, yeah, from that CG trailer, you got, what well, it's Desi, there's monsters, and there's a bit of action going on. That's mm. all you really got. Um, it's a new game from Deck 13, who are behind the Surge series, which I can't say I've actually played, to be perfectly honest. But I know it does have a fan base. Um, this game, I don't know, I saw today, I saw 15 minutes of gameplay behind closed doors. Didn't get to play it myself. Mm. But I don't know, it looks interesting it's kind of published by focus and they're doing this thing recently of like a playtale. tale evil west is coming out soon of that kind of double a game mm. it's kind of below that triple a which they look very fun but they're not quite that top tier game is there something going on behind me here i can see some waving jesse's leaving we're trying to wave at jesse uh, he can't see us like when we start this podcast there's about eight of our colleagues on this roof and they've all left within about weird. 10 minutes i can't work
0: it podcast, out maybe it was the bit where you were trying to podcast in front of the publisher of our company <laughs>
1: with chocolate in your mouth. <laughs> I thought that was a highlight, personally. You
0: think that was a revolutionary
1: Let media. me tell you about Atlas Forks. I've seen gameplay of this game, and I really think they should have shown some, because it looks yeah. very cool once you see it. It's The setting of this game is Atlas. That's the place, and it has fallen. Ha, ha, ha. Um, it is run by this... Is that this, a joke? I don't know. Is, there, is it a joke I've done it more than once. Am moment to be laughing at it. not Yeah, you can do it if you want. Um... There's this tyrannical sun god who basically rules this, this world. Classic. And, I know, he's awful. Um, and there's this essence in the world, which basically it's humanity's job to collect this, and mine this essence, then donate for rituals. Why
3: is it always to, our uh, job? Why is on. it always our job to collect I don't
1: the know. These gods say. <laughs> um, basically, that's humanity's job, to serve him, collect his stuff, do rituals. But one day, your character strays from the path a little and finds this, this gauntlet in a cave. And basically, this gauntlet speaks to him and says, do you know what? If we go find all these shards around this world, we can make this gauntlet powerful enough that you can fight the sand god. Not like- the sand god, the sun god.
0: Was this, was this gauntlet You found- have to point the mic at him for him to be able to speak on the podcast. I just want it? to know,
2: was this gauntlet <laughs> found in for spoken? Because that's got shit that talks to you, hasn't it? I don't think it was. Uh, but,
1: yeah, basically, you're sand Thanos. That's the angle we're going with Okay and this gauntlet lets you control sand you can move into three different weapons and the combat is where i think this game is really interesting so it's doing a few different things it's got that thing of kind of a bit like controlled where you have one weapon that can morph into several Mm. um so you've got the first one which is like a, a blade whip which can do quick attacks and it has the ability to crystallize enemies which then means you can switch the big hammer which then has the ability to do a shattering attack, which then shatter crystallized enemies. There's like combos like that you can do. And then the third one is a big old fist, which is powerful, but only good for like one on one attacks. You're not gonna be good in like crowd control or anything. Right. And that's kind of that is interesting. But there's on top of that, there's this momentum bar, which is kinda of unique. I've not really seen this in any other game. It's like we've seen momentum bars in game, but it's not like it's normally like you build it up and then like you use that as basically AP as like special attacks yeah. where in this Basically, the further you get the momentum up that bar, it unlocks attacks for that weapon that you can use during that fight.
0: Sorry, that's please police
1: coming for there bad podcasters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God, they heard about the sun god at it again. <laughs> um, we should also know it's about 11.30 p.m. <laughs> uh, currently. Um, yeah, and basically, you build up the momentum bar and yeah, it unlocks new attacks. So you're kind of encouraged to be on the front foot, a bit like Control as well, mm. be on that front foot. And you kind of got to balance that with the fact that you're more vulnerable when you're mentally. That's the interesting thing. Is like,
0: because it seems so clearly like rewarding you yeah. for doing well, but actually you're potentially harming yourself. So exactly. can you control it on coming back down again?
1: I, don't, I think you maybe just lay off. I wasn't quite told. I think you just don't do an attack and it will slowly start going back down. I like the idea that you, you have a like a second guy who's just like lay off lay for off. a second. Well that's the thing. This game is fully co op, so you could have a second guy with oh, you yeah, who's just I like about that. let's lay off a bit here. Yeah. Leave it.
3: Exactly. It's not worth it, leave <laughs> it. Exactly.
1: <laughs> there's big old enemies as well. It's a bit monster hunter style, if you saw the trailer, it's kinda of a big old, like semi open world, like sand sandy landscape with big Monsters, a little similar to what you'd see in Monster Hunter. I saw a giant stone crab who has like... It doesn't just have a health bar, like each section has a health bar, so each of his claws had a separate health bar to his head. And like some of those, if you want to kill him, some of those areas are mandatory in order to kill him, but also there's some that are optional. So if you get... If you destroy those bits for killing, you get extra loot, which Mm. could be helpful. I mean, I don't think it's a gear and loot system game from what I saw, but you'll get more valuable rewards you can sell on and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just... Very, I don't know. It's not the most amazing thing, but it genuinely looked fun. I'm just a bit. I wish they'd shown people some gameplay because no one really knows what it was until I have to tell them. What does it actually look like when it's being played? It like not Is nice. it a third-person action game? Yes, yeah, a third-person action game. It's kind of imagine that sort of Horizon, Monster Hunter view. It's just a third-person mm. like action RPG that, and it looks really smooth in combat as well. It looks nice. It's not again not that high budget, but think of what like Focus, the publisher of Demon's Light. A playtale. They haven't got the biggest part in the world, but that game looks beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you get to see any of the world? Because, like, a desert Mm -hmm. world is quite hard to do. So, there's several... I did. It looked a little bit barren, but that's kind of what you're going to get. There's, like, ruins, but there's also several areas they didn't show. So, there is, like, the sun gods, like, almost like palatial city. (laughs) There's, like, city areas, and they did describe... They did want to reiterate this is not a live service game. It's not a Souls-like game. Although they said there's one area which is kind of like below ground, which is a little bit more like a Souls-like game. It's right. a bit more corridor focused, not open world. So there are different areas. It's not just all like dune. It's not just dunes everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to. I hope d- people get to see it.
0: I came out of opening night live just completely nonplussed on it. Just like. Not really sure what that was. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we were shown it in this way. Yeah. And then talking to you about it, I'm like, why didn't we see some gameplay of this? I don't like, know. if you came out and was like, "There's a really cool double A, like old school action
1: game with some mm-hmm. new ideas." Yeah, oh, and like they used some really keywords, you know. Me. They said they used the word near automata. I don't, you they know, maybe that in word. its maybe in its size of world and the way it's empty and it's kind of a lonely. Well, you can play it co-op, but you know kind of the combat was a little bit like I suppose like you can use like special attacks there's like mm. massive hammer you know I use that all the time in Near automata but yeah but the combat's almost a little bit more really like fast paced monster with a little bit of horizon okay. I don't know I don't want to build it up too much but I think it looks quite good fun
0: but the, I think but it's that surprise element where it's like we just didn't know this game existed
1: exactly three days ago yeah
0: I like I like that this thing can just be out mm. there looking around yeah
3: Dale have you seen anything good hello uh, I actually, I haven't seen a massive amount to be fair, because do you know what I've got headphones on, it's super weird hearing myself talk on those headphones, so I'm going to take them off. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen a huge amount because I've been mostly on the IGN production side of things, but I did get to see Alone in the Dark. Uh, I didn't. It was mostly uh, B-roll what they showed me, but I also got time to talk to the developers, which was super interesting. I think the most notable thing about that game so far apart from it has a really se- cool sense of tone and style like it's based in the 1920s it's in louisiana they used uh, southern gothic as a, a term to describe it. i think that's super interesting but the most notable thing is is certainly how much it's it feels like and look it looks like resident evil 2. And, and, and I mean, that feels fair, right? Because Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil was massively inspired.
2: I was going to say, like, that first, like, old 1990s uh, Alone in the Dark, where I think a lot of people maybe listening to the podcast kind of gravitate towards, like, the early 2000s or that god-awful 2008 reboot they did see, of Alone in the Dark. I don't even
3: remember that one coming yeah. out. I have memories of the 1992
2: one. Though. Yeah, yeah, but that kind of almost was, like, the first of those kind of survival horror games right yeah. so it's so it's, like it's come full circle right like it's eating its own tail It's the Ouroboros. yeah
3: i mean uh, so uh, the 1992 one i don't know if it, we'd classify it as the first survival horror game but it was definitely mm-hmm. the first three well what appeared to be 3d so i suppose the characters were 3d yeah mm-hmm. 3d models walking around flak textures that appear to look like 3d environments right mm-hmm. and it definitely inspired things with its fixed camera angles and the way you you know, elements of the puzzle solving and you know in a being in a mansion you know that has mm-hmm. haunted elements so there's definitely it kicked off that genre resident evil took it and created something way beyond what they could ever do at that point i mm-hmm. think but it definitely feels like alone in the dark now is trying to play catch up and looking at what resident evil 2 does well and just building on top of that and i think it's a smart decision i think the fixed camera angles this it's had its day it's been and gone, and this definitely feels like the right step, but you can't help but look at it and feel like it does look like a resident evil spin off to some degree, so I think that's mm-hmm. potentially to its detriment
2: but even to the point like i've read kind of like you you've written a great preview about it that kind of gave us some like a surprising amount of insight, considering you've seen Jack all of it yeah. basically, but that idea of it's the two protagonists from that original game, but they're almost doing that Claire and Leon a B route to a certain yeah, degree. So
3: the, well, the developers were very specific. So they kind of, they did say the words that there was, it's almost like two stories. <laughs> but, I'm, but I said, well, but you're saying it's not two stories then. And they said, well, no. But what it is, is you choose your protagonist and then the other protagonist becomes an NPC in that world. Um, he didn't give any sort of indication of how much interaction they will have. Like, so Resident Evil 2 specifically, is there's a through line all the way through that game that you're constantly meeting up with Leon or Claire, mm-hmm. whoever you're playing. I don't know if there's going to be that, but they definitely said the story is the same, but the path you take is slightly different. So each character has slight variations. I suspect they go to different environments, deal with slightly different situations. What that comes to be, the final product, I have no idea, but that's interesting. Also, another interesting thing is uh, they said the, the whole game is about exploring this mansion, it's about finding out what's going on in this creepy, uh, believe it, it's an old, like, insane asylum or something. It's a, it's the a classic. Man- yeah, yeah. It's a manor house, like, converted. Uh, it's about exploring that and the surrounding grounds, trying to find out what's going on. And hopefully, I'm like, I'm not a huge fan of when Resident Evil spins off into the the big sci-fi ending and it goes into elaborate places. I just want, a, like, a cool story. The first Resident Evil is perfect for that in terms mm-hmm. of, It's just finding out the mystery inside this mansion. You're alone, you're isolated. How am I going to survive? And that's what I want more of. And they're saying the right things for that. Uh, Again, I haven't seen that much, so who knows what it's going to turn out like. But I'm definitely excited. I think they're they're talking about the uh, survival mechanics. They definitely said, it's less heavy on combat it's less resident evil 5 and more resident evil 1 and 2 mm-hmm. it's more limited resources they said there's objects around in the environment in the environment that you can pick up and throw at the monsters and the with the idea being that you should always just trying to be survive each encounter you should trying to get away as opposed to taking them on and destroying everything you see uh, that definitely feels like the survival game that I love, and I, th- I know a lot of people out there love. Um But yeah, the, we're just going to have to see what happens with this game, I suppose.
1: Lovely, lovely, <laughs> lovely. Um I don't know. I don't want to jump straight to another one I did, but it kind of links. I saw another game influenced by Resident Evil today. No, when did I play that? Yesterday. I played that yesterday. I played 15 minutes of The Devil in Me, which is the last chapter of season one of the Dark Pictures anthology from Supermassive Games. What When they say the... End of season one. Yes, are they taking a big break, or what? I mean, what's that I don't mean? know. They haven't really said. I know they like licensed, didn't they? Licensed like six like names for like are the next season yeah, trademarks. Loads, and, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know if that means. I'm not going to lie to you. I have not finished a single one of the previous ones of this season. So, I don't know if there is some sort of looping overarching narrative here. I hmm. don't know if there is, but let me tell you about the devil in me because this one actually has me intrigued. So it's kind of got a setting I'm into, which is it's actually based on the real life. H.H. Holmes, um, serial killer from the nineteenth century, the murder in, uh, hotel. Exactly, he created a big old murder castle in Chicago in was it, eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties? But yeah, basically, the setting of this game is modern day, but it's a documentary crew that you play as who are visiting a re- a recreation of the murder castle really? in the modern day. Oh, yeah weird. Um but kind of like a fictionalized version of it because there's lots of rumours that it was like fully like tr like there was a few trapdoors in the real one, but you know, there's a full on like murder rooms and torture chambers. It wasn't
0: trapdoors, don't freak
1: out. Exactly. Right, guys. But what can go wrong if you're a documentary crew visiting <laughs> a recreation of a murder castle at night? Well it turns out there's someone who doesn't want you to be there from what I've seen. A murderer? Oh, he could be. It looks like it. So I got only got to play fifteen minutes. I was jumped in. It seemed like, I don't know, maybe half an hour. Like half an hour in near the start, like as it's kicked off. So basically, you're being hunted, and yeah, it's got some Resident Evil vibes to it. So they're actually doing something, a bit different with this Dark Pictures game. If you know they're super massive, like horror games, they're mainly walk around, look at stuff, make decisions. That's that's the core gameplay loop. Whereas this game is adding bits. Like this may seem like little in comparison, but you can now sprint. You can climb up things. You can jump over gaps. Mm. You can hide. Like, it kind of adds that is it, element.
0: Is it like actual action feeling?
1: No, or? it's basically if you see a gap over some, like, cardboard, like, there's a cardboard gap you can jump over it. Cardboard <laughs> gap. <laughs> I Mind the gap. <laughs> Um, but no, like, you know, like for example, the area I played in was like the spa section of the hotel. So like you could fall down into the pool, have a look in there and then climb out again. Whereas okay. there's been almost zero verticality to any of the yeah, games. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. I didn't get to play any, but in the latest trailer, you can see there's puzzles and you have an inventory, which hasn't appeared in any of the games yeah. before and is very Resident Evil, the puzzles that they show in that. They're all like colored symbols, which shouldn't be in a hotel like this that you're solving. Um... But yeah, I was just kind of into the vibe. And bizarrely, it stars Jessie Buckley, who's That's an Oscar wild. nominated actress. Yeah, that is crazy. The star of men, who I make the joke in my preview, has done a lot of running away from strange men this yeah. year. And she's doing it again here.
0: <laughs> she but, loves a bit of it.
1: Exactly. Um, I was into it. And I don't know. I just, this might be the one that intrigues me. I don't, I'm distracted by production manager Dale uh, whispering things. Oh, okay. Go on then.
3: Uh, so you said about the
1: inventory stuff. Did you actually use the inventory? I think so. The fifty minutes I played very much were like a Darth pictures game. Okay. But what I saw in the presentation beforehand made it
3: seem like there's much more to it. Because I like often feel like in those games, the inventory seems arbitrary unless you know there's a reason lie. for. I picked something.
1: up a key and I opened a door.
3: <laughs> but the, but. But I don't understand the the idea of having this inventory if it's not about managing that inventory and that's not part of like, the core Well, that's core the thing mechanic. I'm not
1: quite sure how it works because obviously these are games where you switch between like five or six characters. Yeah. And I don't think obviously that inventory doesn't carry over between characters. But you know what interesting thing they are doing with the characters this time is you know there's always the choice in this game like should this person die or should that person die and it's often just like who do you like more basically in the story. Yeah. Whereas this time each character actually has individual traits and abilities depending oh, on who okay. they are in the documentary crew. So, for example, I had a choice. Do I want to kill Jessie Buckley? Obviously, I didn't because I think she's a great actress, and I thought she should live in this story. So, I killed the other woman who happens to be the sound recordist on the team whose ability is she can, use, she can hear through walls. So, later on in the game, I may miss a hint or a clue because I wasn't able to That's listen cool. through a wall. So, it actually adds a layer. It's not all a heart choice. You know a head you, choice as are well. Are you
3: watching this through the documentary crew or are you uh, like uh, you know a fourth-wall observer? You're... Four four. So Basically, your yeah. controller.
1: You switch between characters to control them the same as you do any other
3: game from like a right. third okay. person. Okay. Because uh, if you killed the cameraman in that situation, it'd be very inconvenient. Oh, yeah yeah <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. It
1: wouldn't, You wouldn't see him much, would you? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of.
3: I think I'm going to play this
1: one. I think the other dark pitch games, the settings haven't done a lot for me. They Haven't been like my sort of horror necessarily, but this one no i'm into it and like i said it's kind of it's got that resident evil vibe knowing in the puzzles but that ability to hide and the serial killer kind of you feel like you're constantly being watched he's almost there's like traps around he's almost like a jigsaw like character i don't know it's all just it's hitting the right spots for me i know they've all done like single location stuff Mm.
0: generally but there is something about like a house and the way or you know a hotel and the way you can you can map that a little bit better that feels like it will lend itself really well to this
1: kind of game, particularly. Yeah. I'm, I'm into, into it. That. I'm into it. Who, who wants to who, who wants to speak about a game? I next? can go.
0: Okay. Matt. I was going to talk before I got sidetracked by uh, by High on Life by myself. Um, I was going to talk about a game that wasn't in opening night life, which is called Gord. Um, a child killer. Yes, yeah, it's, it's my it's continuing the child killing theme. Only slightly. There's just a little bit of child killing in this one. Did you just
2: realise you might not have actually heard Cardi mention child killing there, can you? There we go. Frightening. Because now I have the mic. Now, Joe. Yeah. There's Witcher talent here, right? Yes. That's what we want to know about. Some
0: of these guys. So this, this is a stu- new studio called Covenant. You may have seen a bit of this. They've released gameplay trailers before. This isn't a brand new announcement. But this is the first time I've really... Like, I got... I was interested to an extent, you know, like... There's, it's cool seeing cd project red people go and do new things and and take that take that talent and do new stuff with it but i sat down in this appointment again it's a hands-off but i saw quite a lot of the game being played live and the ceo of the company was like here's the two things we want to invoke with this game one of them is the Witcher three of course and so that is a lot of feel like it's not a third-person action game it's not an RPG well it's an RPG but in a very different way but it's in setting it's uh like really grim pastoral like Slavic folklore based things so very witcher in those like a villain yeah there's yeah exactly very yeah very much that area and like it's um but the other thing he said was we're going for that but we're also going for Rimworld Huh. uh which if you don't know rimworld yes <laughs> dale is very funny <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> if you don't know rimworld it's a it, for want of a better term it's like an accessible readable take on dwarf fortress and those kind of really hardcore simulation like colony building games and uh, to Get it out of the way at the top, this is nowhere near as complex or as, like, in-depth as Rimworld. It's not going for, like, simulating the individual emotions of characters in every moment. But what it is doing is, when you start a level in Gord, you have a set of villagers who have been generated, and they come with names, relations, they have, like, positive and negative traits, so some of them might be, like, really good at building but really shit at exploring, um, and those will have actual statistic changes to them. Uh, and they can have like mental afflictions or they can have physical ailments that can affect how they can work or, you know, go out into the world. And you're tasked first with building a settlement. The settlement is called the Gord. That's their, their name for their villages. Oh and so, my God. Oh my God. Um, and they, uh, and what, so what you end up doing is the first thing you do is build a wall. So you build a palisade wall around your area. And that becomes the, the, the center of your, your, boy. that becomes the, the, the boundary to your settlement. And then you're building buildings like a temple to worship your gods, which can build faith that you can use for like spells and stuff later on. Or you can build different military buildings that allow you to take those villagers and arm them as like axe wielding warriors or bowmen and that kind of thing. And so the idea is, initially, what you're doing is building a settlement and using the simulation aspects to, like, get close to your villagers. You're going, like, oh, I really like Roderick, because Roderick is a great farmer. <laughs> uh, and, you know, like, as they do stuff, they get better at it. They might uh, get to know other villagers. They might have children. We'll get on to the children sacrifice well, aspect oh, later. Well. Um, and you you build, like, this town, a functioning town. Mm-hmm. but it's not just a game about town building, and it's not even a game about defending that town necessarily. Some of that is in there. The other half of this game is that you're put into these procedurally generated, like, big swathes of world, and your villagers might want to, on the base level, they want to gather resources, so they have to go out in the woods and chop down trees. But there's threats in those woods. So you might need to bring a warrior with them to protect that resource gatherer or something along those lines. Or you might want to go and clear out all the threats around you so that you have a safe space where people aren't going to come in. Then it gets a little bit further. You might get quests from your villagers. The one I saw was the villagers were complaining because there were loads of poison eggs in the swamp. (laughs) Uh, And so you've got to go out and kill the things that lay these poison eggs. Mm -hmm. And that if you do that, it like helps bolster the like, sanity levels of your villagers. Because the point is, no one's happy here. So it's just whether they're sane or insane at this point. Um, and at the highest level, it's um, there are these things in the world called horrors, which are demons sent from the underworld to roam this world. Uh, and this is what I loved. These demons aren't just, like, boss characters out there. They can come to your town and go... Hello, I'm your local demon, and I I deserve a tithe. And so they might ask you for gold, Mm -hmm. or they might ask you for crops, or they might ask you for all the children in your settlement. Nice. Uh, And the idea is, in the early stages, you probably just have to give them the stuff they're asking Mm -hmm. for, or they will fuck you up. They can curse your town. The one I heard is, like, they can just infest your whole town with worms. (laughs) I don't know what that does, but they just stick worms all over your town. Um, And the point is they're just insanely difficult creatures Mm -hmm. and they're just doing their thing in your world with you and that's part of the simulation on a wider aspect but as you get on you build up your settlement you build up uh experience over time people become really good warriors by doing lots of warring uh and you can go out on skirmishes you can take out and it becomes essentially a real time strategy game with small amounts of units sure. they've got really like com- not complex but like old school rts like grouping people so it's like this is my group of bowmen this is my group of warriors you can start automating it so like if the bowmen start getting attacked the warriors will go and defend them sure, instead sure. of aggroing mm-hmm. in different places you can mess with the parameters of that stuff and like get really good at going out and clearing out stuff or looting or finding treasures out in the world and then eventually you're going to get to a point where we're good enough to go and kill that horror that took all our kids. <laughs> and like, it's about creating these little individual stories. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where it all ties back to the RimWorld stuff, where it's this idea of you're not just doing the objectives. And there is a story campaign. I think it's like 10 missions, and you can take one group of villagers from mission 1 to mission 10. Okay, yeah. Or you can, I believe they said you can start with new villagers every time in a new settlement. But effectively, there are objectives to complete over this this wide thing. But really, it's the micro level stuff where it's like, oh, this guy is like my best warrior, but he just broke his leg and now he has to like change his entire career, or you know, just like building. Or, or this person like lost their kid and it sent them into a, like a mental downward spiral, and then we brought them back up by doing something else. And you get these micro stories along with the macro ones, and that's where I'm really excited about this. And it feels like this also ties into that Witcher thing where it's it's telling really cool stories but it's doing it on the personal level as well mm-hmm. and I think they're really interested in how they can tie all that stuff together. And this isn't to say anything of the fact like they're building this as like something people can go back to again and again and again. So you can create custom scenarios where you tinker with every element of what your world will be. So it's like, is, uh, what kind of biomes do we have? Is there a lot of resources or very little resources? Which horror is in the world? And you can even get down to like, what objectives will I need to complete, if any? Or do I just want this to be an endless mode? Mm-hmm. And they're just, they've created this thing. I haven't seen a full playthrough, obviously. I don't know how it's going to play out over a long period of time. But it really feels like priority one for them is that Gord will be a game where you create individual stories all the way through and you grow attached to these villagers and when they die it will fucking rip you up (laughs) and when they're amazing it will be the best and you will love those people and i just i'm so intrigued by trying to marry those two sides of things i think i i just think it's a really really interesting project Mm.
2: i think it's cool does it have the crusader kings thing in the when you grow attached to a villager and presumably they couple up to then have babies, do, is there like a trait system that flows down? It's like your best bowman might have the best bowman as a young boy. That's... I, so they didn't get into that and like the weird thing is
0: like there was a baby born while I was watching and they were like, <laughs> oh, there's a baby down here. Um, and so I didn't get to look at how those traits are. Mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised if with the level of simulation they're going for, that isn't an idea because even when you... Pick a villager. It says who their parents are. Mm-hmm. Like it's their name, and then it's parents, and they're these people. So I really feel like they're going for. It's not just a group of eight people that you have for the whole mission. It's a lineage. I think these missions are meant to take place over like years. Yeah. Um. And you'll see people mature as you play. So, yeah i th- I, I would get I get the sense that that's going to be the deal. So you might start going like, how do I get roderick my best farmer to meet sarah (laughs) (laughs) my best miner and then we'll have the farm mine child king (laughs) um yeah it's 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 really interesting there's also story-wise they showed me the intro and i went through this going like i've actually missed out this whole thing where with spells which is the idea is you go out and you can use your faith and call on your gods to either help you or well to like restore you or to fuck up enemies there's a there's one spell in it called fracture and it's really horrible like they used it on this like toad enemy and he just started hovering in the air and all his limbs started breaking and then he just like fell to the floor stranger things season four yeah seriously (laughs) really close and uh and i was like well jesus that's quite full on like these gods aren't necessarily nice and so i assumed it was kind of a god game where you're playing in Mm -hmm. that but actually the story is that you are (laughs) there's this horrible king like taking over loads of land and he really wants this horrible bit of wilderness that's full of um, evil creatures Mm -hmm. so it's essentially like you're the evil colonizer going in and trying to take (laughs) over this place and I don't know how much they're going to play with that but Mm -hmm. it's got this like Dark medieval fantasy vibe to it in a in a really interesting
2: way. Like it's not the story I thought it was telling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's cool. The other thing I want to know from from that is as well is like I've not played Rimworld or anything like that, but I have played like Frostpunk, and mm. that has a lot of that kind of very hard kind of moral choices that makes you act. It's like, are you gonna make children go down the mines, or are you gonna you know just struggle with the fact that you don't have enough workers? Yeah. Because The Witcher is known for that kind of stuff, is there anything, be it systemic or narratively, put in? Is there anything kind of like that, like hard decisions? The closest, yeah,
1: send the children down the
0: mines. The closest I've gotten to it is uh, this idea of um, like the sacrificing children stuff. I'm assuming those quests will have um, ramifications. Like, so that the the main quest I saw was the poison frog, uh, the poison egg things and it was presented as like you can accept this and the rewards will be if you complete it that you get like an a bonus to like movement through swamps because i guess your people have gotten good at getting to those places and like a restoring of sanity in your place but you can reject it and it has major effects that's not really a moral choice so much as a you know a st- statistical one really mm-hmm. But I'd be very surprised if that wasn't the direction they're going in with some of this stuff. Like, the way it presents those quests to you is it is meant to be the villagers saying this thing. So I'm sure you'll have ones where it's like, this person wants to do this, and this person wants to do this. What are you going to do about it? So, yeah, I think that's
1: I think that's edging towards it. Nice. Sounds interesting. Yes. Should we do a quick little, rather than just one more person the game, should we go around and do a quick little, is there one more game you'd like to mention? Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. I mean, Matt, you haven't mentioned a game in a while. Why don't you go quickly?
2: Uh, yeah, I'll I'll just give a small shout out to Warhammer Forty Thousand Rogue Trader. Very excited about which this, which is not the flagship one that's been going. Like O and L had obviously got some stuff about Dark Tide, which obviously I'm excited about. Played a bit of that, loved it. But Rogue Trader is the one that's a bit more of an unknown quantity, and it's made by Alcat Games, a kind of Eastern European like, heavy classic-style RPG studio that um, made the Pathfinder games, which are known for being, like, like big, like, 120-hour, overly deep kind of, like, classic-style RPGs. And they're doing a 40K one. I got to see kind of just, like, a combat demo because it's a bit too much to go into, like, showing the narrative that's going to be mm. shown over this massive game. Um, but what I saw, I thought, was really interesting. It's not probably as kind of, like breaking the mold or something like divinity or Baldur's gate 3 has been but a very kind of like tactical full-on every single character is very very unique and has its own kind of space so your rogue trader is your main one who you can kind of spec out as you want because that's your your player character but then they got an adeptus mechanicus which is obviously like a cyborg engineer freak that got all of its obviously Obviously. they're very much kind of tied into sort of all the shit that I like like it praises the machine gods and the machine god makes like your guns more accurate and stuff like that Uh, and lots of various of a deep 40k lore based characters that they've really gone to town on building these characters around it the way that the combat work is very kind of XCOM style stuff, but a lot of kind of pre-planning, a lot of buff work, a lot of kind of thinking four moves ahead. Like Cardi, you've been mentioning about momentum meters before. It's got a momentum in that at high momentum you get ultimate abilities, but you can do mm. you can do ultimate abilities at low momentum. But there's always a big trade-off. Like you can do this thing where you get to move four times in a turn and you can attack three times that turn as well but you then have to spend two sort of turns completely out of it like you, you you've stunned yourself basically um so i think there's at least on a combat level it looked really cool for me as a fan but it will be seeing where it goes from a narrative perspective that i'm super interested in like i love like a lot of dan abnett's warhammer books that show particularly his inquisitor books show the more what I would consider rpg adventury side Mm. of Warhammer, and we don't get that in the video games, so that's what I'm interested in seeing from those guys. That sounds really exciting. Dale, what about you?
3: Uh, Yeah, I don't know if it interests the people that are around me right now, but real wrestling, yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, I got to see the AEW Fight Forever game, which, uh, to keep it brief, is basically the N64 wrestling games. I know they've been tarting it up as saying... This is what we're we're aiming for this is exactly what they're doing as well like almost to a fault i think <laughs> it feels like they're, they're going for that so much that i think it doesn't Feel necessarily as modern as maybe it should. Uh, it's hard to tell at this point. I, I was slightly concerned in the last trailer when they revealed a bunch of mini games, including like swinging a baseball, and there was like bomb explosions, and it looked it looked like you know what Tekken used to have like crazy mini games. It looked like that. I don't know if I need that. Sorry, bomb explosions. There was like there was people standing in a ring, and there was bombs dropping on the heads, and they were having to dodge out the way of bombs. <laughs> it looks crazy like crazy mini games basically yeah, sounds shit to be honest yeah <laughs> it, it absolutely looks shit as <laughs> <well>. <laughs> uh, but i didn't see that but i saw the core cool wrestling however i will say if you are a diehard of no mercy era the n64 era it's exactly what you want there i just feel like maybe it could be more modern but you mm-hmm. know I need, I need to really get some time with it yeah cool
0: do you want to go I can go. Go on, then. It's uh, one, actually, we haven't played yet, but I just want to shout it out, because me and Matt are excited oh, about it. Oh, yeah. Moonbreaker. Yes. It's the new game from the Subnautica Devs Unknown Worlds. Um, I- I'm mostly excited about it because it's just completely insane to me that someone made a Warhammer game that's about Warhammer before Warhammer did, considering they've made 300,000 games in the last four years. No one's gone... You know that game we make? Can we put that on <laughs> computers now? And like, so yeah, it's a it's a mini- digital miniatures game where you do everything from collecting units to painting them to playing mm-hmm. with them. And it's just it, it's absurd to me that no one th- yeah. thought of this. And now it looks great. And I'm not like a Warhammer painting person. I liked the game, uh, but I've never done the painting stuff. Yeah. But I look at that and I'm just like, what? An amazing choice. Like, why is the me like?
1: Even if the core, like, combat of it isn't great, I'll I'll paint some miniatures. Be like power wash for me again. Yeah, Yeah, all over. Like, I'm sure. Like, next week we'll go into a bit one because, like you said, we're you're playing it tomorrow. so we'll get more impression. But for now, Matt, just tell me, how horny are you for the dry brush?
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh, I wouldn't say I was horny for the dry brush. I'm very excited about the dry brush. Joe will. Attest to the fact that it was the most exciting part of the the O N L for me. Yeah, you know when you see people at <laughs> E three shows like absolutely losing
0: their shit over like you know a new controller color scheme. That was dry brushing for Matt Perslow. <laughs> he lost it for a second. It's it a good a, technique. It was magnificent. It <laughs> makes them so chalky. I heard
2: it. It can make your edge highlights a bit chalky, but <laughs> it's a it's a lot easier than doing actual edge highlights. Fair play. <laughs> Uh, brilliant. Uh, I'm
1: going to shout out. I saw again, similar to Atlas Fall, and I saw some uh, gameplay of Aliens Dark Descent, which is yet yeah, another Aliens game. They like pumping them out, don't they? Um, this one is set 20 years after Alien 3. Uh, it's a Colonial Marines game. It's a top down, real time strategy combat game where you control a squad of Marines going around an abandoned base, killing xenomorphs. It's kind of, I'm not going to lie the gameplay itself didn't do a ton for me like that sort of strategy and like real time has never been the game I really look for but I do love me some aliens and They've got kind of the look and the sound of aliens, right? They've got the little radar in the corner with the right blue pin noise. And also, they've got the XCOM stuff going on. And the stuff I like about the XCOM stuff is... I'm a big sucker for, like, traits in games. Like, a few months ago, it talked about Rogue uh, Rogue Legacy and how they have, like, funny traits. Whereas, they have them for these, like... You have permadeath with your soldiers in this game. But when you get new ones, they're just, like you Know recruited with abilities that you can't change them. The one that was example to me was stubbornness, which means that Marine, whatever loadout you give him, he'll just choose his own loadout. <laughs> which <laughs> that doesn't is, sound good, I know. Well, it's perma-defamant, but you'll still cry when he's gone. But yeah, yeah I'm I didn't see I saw like 10-15 minutes gameplay. I'll give it a go just because it's an aliens game, but yeah, the that sort of combat isn't normally for me, but I'm, in, I'm intrigued
3: by did it. They, did they explain what the significance of? Being twenty years after Alien Three was
1: probably just so they could ignore having Ripley in it. Just a just a know. new time period That's to just set and the al- an Alien game. I don't in. know. Yeah, maybe just to try and disconnect it from any of the films, so you just be like, it's in the universe, it's out of the way. But why
3: even bother? Just say oh, okay. no, because I asked them. No, I'm not, <laughs> it's not. Why did you bother finding out? Why? I mean, why not just be in the Alien universe? Why specifically twenty years after You've Alien Three? Because
1: you know there'll always be people. Who, are, who do care who are like oh exactly where and when is this in the timeline yeah. so you know what, uh, what's well. Wayland up to you know that sort <laughs> of stuff I mean, it looks alright again um, it's like Out of Fallen like just show some gameplay of it so people can see what it's like that would be handy I think uh, mm. but yeah apart from that that's, that's kind of everything we've seen at Gamescom so far I'm sure next week maybe we'll update with some stuff we saw tomorrow um, we're recording this on Thursday night just in case you didn't know Um don't know why you'd care, but that's what's happening. It's actually technically um,
3: Friday now. Oh yes, yeah, well.
1: so it's Friday morning now. <laughs> uh, we spent a couple of hours at Papa Joe's, which is not Joe's bedroom. It is a bar. In it's the, a beer salon. It's a beer salon in Cologne that has a uh, automatons. Is that yeah. the right word? That play music. Uh, we had a few choice ones. We went. We had a little roller coaster. We went from the Muppets theme to. We had Barbara's, happy birthday for Matt. Happy Matt J. Yeah, it was, it was his, his birthday this week. We had uh, Father and Son by Cat Stevens, which was touching. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's favourite, of course, Sex Bomb by um, Tom Jones.
0: It was it was kind of amazing because we all immediately launched into singing Sex Bomb and the entire table of people from our US colleagues sitting next to us just filmed us instead of joining in. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just kind of like, are we, are we the puppets now? Are we the automatons I think, in this I think bar? we
1: might be. Anyway... No endless search week because it would just be me asking questions off the top of my head or feedback because I frankly forgot that exists. <laughs> yes. uh, but you know what? Next week, God, it'll be good, won't it? Um, got to talk about we haven't even had, none of us have had a chance. Was like a new Game of Thrones? Ooh, oh yeah, get on that next week. Yeah. How about that? Oh, uh, how do we end these things again? Matt. Say play sex bomb. Oh, we're definitely playing sex bomb. I'll we'll Our Wi-Fi is not great in our office, here, so I'll have to download that. Uh, I might have to do that in the, uh, my hotel room. Just me watching Sex Bomb in my Googling hotel room. Sex bomb. That's what I'm doing. What do you reckon the music video is for Sex Bomb? I think I've seen it. It's just I, um, I vividly remember it. Isn't it just totally remember? is it. it just Tom Cruise kind of singing, like slightly Tom swaying? Bruce. Tom Cruise, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tom Cruise <laughs> Tom
3: Cruise singing Sex Bomb. That's a video that oh, needs to be. Oh, I'd love
1: to watch that. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. Is there anything else left to say?
0: I'll feed the same. Sex Bomb. Sex Bomb. Yeah. You're a sex.
1: Bomb, huh? You can give it to me when I need to come along. Give a sec, bomb, sack, bomb. You're my sack, bomb. And baby, you can.